Welcome back to Atelier 1121. I am your host, Antavia Roulette, and this is Season 7, Episode 2. And our guest today is Unity. She is a heavy metal artist based out of Philadelphia who has recently gone on tour and made a huge impact in the African-American heavy metal and goth community. Sit down with me and let's get to know her better, her craft better, and what's to come for the artist and band known as Unity. Hi, Unity. Welcome to Atelier 1121. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. And yourself? I am good. So where are you today? Right now, I'm back in Cleveland, Ohio. I just got finished with the last bit of my tour. I was in California for about three weeks or so making music and performing. So how has your tour been? The tour has been really, really, really good. I learned so much on the road from different musicians, also just traveling. Now that you're finished tour, how was that experience for you? The tour experience was really, really, really lovely. Um, a lot of first times. So my first time seeing palm trees for being out in California. First time on an airplane. Um, I made some really important connections within the music industry. Met some really important people that play a key role in the whole music, I guess, machine. <laughs> Um, but it was very beautiful just meeting different types of people, seeing different things. It definitely helped with giving me more perspective. And where are you from? Um, I'm from Philadelphia, specifically West Philly. Okay. So um, where did your love of heavy metal, rock, and synthwave music spawn from? Oh, that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty deep one right there. Um, so my love for just heavy and more interesting music stemmed from really wanting to break out of certain things. You know, I grew up in a community in West Philadelphia that was poor. You could say the hood, you know, and I just wanted to feel something different. I grew up in a household where it was a bunch of hip hop and R&B 24-7. Love those music genres still, but I wanted to try something different, see the world a little bit differently. And one summer, I think it was a summer afternoon, me and my cousins, we were just on Comcast on demand back when that was a thing. And we decided to try out different types of music. So we tried rock. Um, so my first ever I guess heavy song was Lamb of God that I listened to. It was by that band. And obviously me and my cousin at a young age, we were laughing because it was something so foreign and different. I asked her to put it on again. We laughed some more. <laughs> asked her to put it on for like the seventh time. She got annoyed. And I slowly stopped laughing and started kind of enjoying the band <laughs> more and more. And next thing I know, I've been, I took my mom's phone and I started to fall down a rabbit hole of rock music. Oh, what's rock music? Oh, metal music. What's that? And all these different subgenres of rock and metal. And that's where this obsession kind of began. So that was the moment when you knew that this, this was what you wanted to do. Absolutely. It, yeah, it gave me a it gave me a feeling that I've never really had before from music. Something that deeply resonated with, you know, how angsty and how fast times to be flying by when you're a kid and how you wish you were older and just a lot of the problems that I face in my community too. It led for a really safe output for me to kind of just express myself, you know, and it also provided me with different forms of self-expression, whether it was fashion or singing or playing an instrument. 
How has your experience been with being an African-American woman within the metal community? It's definitely not the easiest. Um, Starting out going to shows when I was younger, I most of the time would be the only person of color and, you know, woman in a crowd of predominantly white people. Um, I started going to shows when I was about 12 and my grandfather would take me. (laughs) And since then, I've noticed that I've been, you know, singled out in mosh pits, picked on, heard slurs, different things like that. And now that I'm older, um, I'd say it's still the same thing, but it's getting a lot more open now that there are more artists of color coming forward, making alternative rock and metal music. So can you tell us about the band, how you you met, you came together, and how long you've known each other? Yeah, so uh, originally Unity is a project that I started, um, I think, three to four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm technically a solo artist, but I realized in the music industry, especially in Cleveland, it's easier to make more waves and get more opportunities that can pay somewhat well if you have a full life band. Cleveland isn't the nicest place for independent black rock artists um, to really make a name for themselves just because of how the structure of some venues are. They definitely tend to hit more towards live bands than solo artists, which is kind of sad. So I found Zakia Irby. She is the bassist that plays with me occasionally live. Um, She was actually a fan. She went to a few of my shows. I took notice to her coming to the shows and we talked and I had a music video shoot um, for the song One Step Closer to the Edge, which was released about two months ago or so. And since then, she's like, yeah, I played bass and I love your music. I really like like rock and metal and different things like that. So we instantly connected. She just had a really amazing vibe about her, a really good energy. We bonded over a lot of our similar experiences going to rock shows at young ages. Um, and she tried out and seeing her grow from the time she started playing with me to now has been just a beautiful sight. You know, when I first, when we first learned that we both like music and she plays, she tried out and she was so sweet. She, <laughs> I asked her to turn her bass amp up and she was just like, okay, you know, and you could barely hear her hitting the strings, even though she was on key and everything, you could barely hear her. And I would ask her to pluck them a bit harder and she would still play softly. So now fast forward to today where she completely owns the stage. She glows up on the stage playing. Um, the next member would be Will, who also goes by Will Bleak, drummer. I believe he is trained in jazz drummer, drumming at Oberlin. Really, really, really talented person. We met with um, trying out for a different band, but we both got dropped by that other band. <laughs> so we decided, well, screw it, let's both just do our own music. You can play drums for me. I already have shows going. Let's do that. And our newest member, um, Carson, he recently had his first show with us. I believe it was July 6th at Lustig Puppy Show on the Foundry. Um, And it was his first ever performance, too. He played guitar. He's very, very, very nervous. But when we all got up on that stage together, even Carson being his first show with us, we all kind of 
we're in this weird trance where we all were in sync. We could feel each other's energy, feed off of the crowd's energy. And it, it kind of is like we're all blacking out at the same time when we perform. So far, we've played only Cleveland shows. Mm-hmm. And for dates on the road, I'm more of a solo artist. But I honestly couldn't have done it without them or learned as much as I have about playing in bands if it wasn't for them. Well, when I saw you in uh, New York, I was I was highly impressed and I was definitely drawn in. The community around you is so large. I'm intrigued and enchanted when you uh, hit the stage. And um, when I saw you on social media, I was like, I have to talk to this girl. Because when I heard your sound, I was thoroughly impressed. And then I saw your look and I was like, there's something so special here. So with saying that, I'm going to go into my next question is singing in your death growl. Where is that vocal placement for you? And how long did it take you to create that sound within yourself? That sound, firstly, when it comes to heavy vocals or just singing in general, whether it's poetry, singing normally, growling, yelling, it has to come from a place of extreme emotion and also confidence at the same time. Growing up, I did choir in school and, you know, did singing, but I was really quickly met with there is a lot of uh, bad energy, negative emotions, and just people putting you down if you want to go the singing route. Um, my choir teacher was not the nicest, even though she has taught me so much, so many things that I do carry with me now. She wasn't nice as a lot of the kids that I was in choir growing up weren't the nicest. It was always a contest to see who had the best voice, who could hit what notes. And that definitely put me off for singing. I wouldn't return to singing until fairly recently, honestly, in the next few tracks that I'll release soon. But my death growl started with me, you know, being very, very deep in this rabbit hole of being immersed in just metal, post-hardcore, deathcore music that I love from many, many bands. And this one song particularly came on that, caused me to let out something one I think it was in the fall a scream and automatically my family was like oh no you are not screaming in the house (laughs) like absolutely not um so I would have to plan for days where my grandmother was at church or out with her friends um to practice my screaming (laughs) which is something that definitely the neighbors ended up telling her (laughs) but over time I uh I started to consume more and more content that was focused on vocals, specifically heavy metal vocals. What needs to happen internally to produce specific sounds, how to take care of your voice, how to know when you're screaming the wrong way. Um, And from that love, it became an obsession with doing it and doing it correctly, learning different techniques from different people who are already doing it in the industry. Um, And it's just something that, I feel strongly about even now because now I have lots of fans wanting to try to do it for the first time in their music. And it's something that's deeply, deeply like caused me to feel whole. Honestly, it makes me feel like myself screaming on stage Um, with my vocal placement. I still do sing from time to time um, and later tracks that I will release within the next few months that will be demonstrated. But I will definitely stick to screaming for the most time, for the most part. <laughs> Can you just 
describe the building of the persona, aesthetic, and lifestyle that is unity. Because when people see you on screen with the white makeup and your your beautiful hairstyle, and it's just shocking, and it, it it draws you in. Where did that come from? Where was the inspiration of building the persona of unity? The inspiration definitely came from being like a small black woman that grew up in poor communities in Philly um, and just seeing a lot of struggling, you know, a lot of black women just not like loving themselves, hitting their hair, their skin, the way that they're built. Um, And hair has become something very, very important to me now that I'm older and on the stage. Whereas a lot of the time I hated the person that I was naturally born as, you know, I hated being a black woman because of all the oppression, the stigmas, the beauty standards that I will never meet. Um, So my hair in terms of the beads and the cowrie shells is kind of an ode to just black women in general, the community that I came from, you know, Afro punk, punk roots back in Africa, Africa itself, a country that it's just it's just very, very deeply rooted. But as for the white face paint, um, at that stage in my life, I was now discovering like black metal. And back then, black metal, everyone would wear the white face with the black makeup just to kind of symbolize corpse paint. But one thing that I've noticed that's deeply rooted within the history of black metal itself is um, just Nazis, you know, not anti-Semitism, racism, especially misogyny and homophobia. And I kind of decided to do that face paint just kind of to symbolize the complete opposite, kind of to piss off the people that created a beautiful music genre who stood for those things that I'm very much against. Um, So in my way of doing the face paint that way, it's kind of like taking it from roots and hatred and bringing it to the surface where people of color can do it. People who are gay, queer, whatever can do it and have it be something completely different. Um, It sucks because there are not a lot of black metal bands where people of color can confidently listen to them without, you know, them having some roots and anti-Semitism, and that mm. sucks, which is why I decided to do the face along with the hair <laughs> in the first place. So what's the common misconception about unity? Um, the common misconception about me, I'd say, is that I don't produce any of my songs. I don't write any of my songs. And lastly, most of my songs are just about hating white people or <laughs> hating men. <laughs> which is complete, the complete, complete opposite. Um, a lot of my songs and all of them I have produced, either most or half of them. I work with another producer by the name of Future Fix. He definitely helped contribute towards Unity and the Unity sound. He was skilled and trained in techno and um, the synthwave components of my sound. And we both kind of sit down for hours at a day to create different things like that. All of the lyrics of every song I write completely individually by myself. And a lot of the content in my music is very political, ch- politically charged. It is very based off of my experiences growing up, seeing the hardships of many women in my community, of many men in my community, and also experiences and things that I face now that I'm a young adult um, while making punk and heavier music. 
So to continue speaking about your writing and producing Hive, how long was the process of developing that album and what was the highs and what was the lows? That album, I would say, took about two years prior for being produced. Um, it was a very long process because I was still trying to figure out my sound. I was still trying to figure out and completely get things that I wanted to say straightforward enough or make it come off a specific way that didn't sound too angry or too um, much of one way that would rub people, you know, the way that I mean, is not good. Angry? I mean, I didn't want to come off as just completely yelling and complaining about things without posing actual solutions to problems. Right. Um, and with hives, I really struggle with, you know, who I am as an artist. What's mm -hmm. the direction that I want to go in? Do I sing? Do I yell? Do I scream? Because when Hives came out, I didn't really know how to scream that well. I could do it a bit, but after a certain point, uh, my voice would hurt. And in Hives, it's really where I found my confidence, where I really kind of dug into and self-reflected on where that I want to go with this. Um, so the highest points of Hives, I would say, is learning myself through producing most of that album. Um, the title song, I believe, Collar of Bones, that was released, I completely produced that myself. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a moment where I understood myself on a better level, on a deeper level, on the things that I wanted to talk about. That song specifically came to me at three in the morning. I couldn't sleep. And I just started writing it. After rewriting it like four, five, six different times and hating each revision I made. And with songs like Fight Club, that was a song that I wrote about my friends. You know, now that I'm starting to get more in the industry, just seeing all the Black artists who are amazing and talented and who deserve to actually live off of and get paid, not being paid anything for their work. And, and that, that was that a song. That definitely reflects the current state of the world. I have that as one of my questions. Like, tell me about it. Where did it come from? And creating that song in general, because Fight Club is an amazing song. Yeah, Fight Club, it wasn't, when it was released with Hives, it was not fully made. <laughs> my hope is to fully make it and revise it in the future and re-release it as a full version. Um, but Hives, it's coming from a place of sadness, anger, and also at the same time, being very optimistic about the future. Mm -hmm. um, the key chorus in it is, you're too calm, I don't have time to obey. Now lick the boot of art and slavers, pay another cliche to sing a song like this in just the way they do because the kids are fixed and I am pissed and screwed, you're too calm. So the song opens up that way, just me talking about how labels and how the people that really have access to money and resources that can help any artist are choosing to fund mediocrity, are that choosing part. to fund, you know, exactly, are choosing to fund artists that are pushing, you know, themes and such as sex and just drugs and hurting one another and not giving a fuck. And mm -hmm. whereas there's too much things going on in the world right now to be focused on that. And that that the song opens with that because I'm really pissed off with people getting paid, artists getting paid, pushing themes such as that. Whereas there are hundreds, thousands, maybe even billions of people of color making music that 
is about way much more. Absolutely. Um, and then the song, the key point of the song is don't got no money, no time, no food, no car, no house, no card to cripple my debt. No time for art can't fall apart. No time to feel because I'm a mess. It goes into the struggle that I still continue to face and all of my friends still continue to face. The balance and the struggle between doing what you love, doing your passion, the things that make you want to live versus being able to eat food and being able to afford a place to rent or being able to even have clothes on your back. Music is extremely expensive. It's expensive to produce. It's expensive to network. It's expensive to even go on tour, you know, and it's even worse because if you are picked up by a label, you won't own your masters or, you know, you won't, they'll take a percentage out of your tours. Even then it's very, very hard for musicians to make money. And that part is where I really felt the strongest is because most artists are in debt or are currently going in debt, trying to fund this dream, the thing that makes them breathe, the thing that gives them passion and happiness. You know, and the thing that keeps them up and, at night or gets them out of bed at like, three o'clock in the morning to write a song like. Exactly. And that's something that I still feel very passionate about. Not only musicians, but fashion designers, painters, visual artists. It's it's something that we all struggle with. And mm-hmm. there are some resources out there like grant programs and nonprofits that help give grants to artists to do what they love. But it's not like they can help every musician, you know, or every artist or fashion designer. Mm -hmm. And not every kid, especially a kid that grew up in a similar community of mine, can afford to go to college. Speaking of that, Unvaccinated and Afraid is one of my favorite songs on the Hive album. Can you dig deep into that and what that process was uh, in writing it and the overall message that you wanted to translate? Yes, so Unvaccinated and Afraid is a few a song that definitely got me into some hot water because of the name. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to clarify that Unvaccinated and Afraid is a song that I wrote about a lot of people during the pandemic, you know, people being locked inside of the house, quarantining, and me being a high school graduate around that same time, not being able to have my family go to my graduation or not even having a prom. It's about mocking people who are saying that COVID-19 isn't real. Um, These things don't exist. It's just made up to cause panic and mass hysteria, which it's definitely not. Um, Many, many, many people died. People lost loved ones. And just denouncing it as not real is something that's extremely harmful, especially to those families affected by losing loved ones to COVID. So... Unvaccinated and Afraid is a song essentially mocking people who hold that sentiment while also bringing forth to the table police brutality in the mix. Um, George Floyd, just different people who also have been affected by brutality and still people who continue to be affected by brutality. Um, So it's kind of like a nice gift wrapped (laughs) um, Christmas present of just that, police brutality, and just different things. Um, Unvaccinated and Sprayed is most people's favorite song by me. And honestly, I think it's one of my more favorite ones. It's a lot more true to the punk, you know, sound. Mm-hmm. And definitely 
um, the part where I say comfort, security, fuck your authority. I'm the minority. You took my name. That part has a lot of power. And I really loved writing that part because it's about how I moved from Philadelphia, where it's predominantly black people um, in a community where, you know, it's mostly run by the community. There's a lot of gun violence. Yes. But at the end of the day, we understand that the police is not our friend and not on our side. So going from that to moving to Cleveland, specifically a more suburban part of Cleveland, Shaker Heights, mm-hmm. and just seeing how extremely different it is from my culture, when I came from, um, even morals and how people live. And that part was written about how I met a lot of people and a lot of people that are predominantly white don't feel comfortable with a black voice being in their space. So that's why I said, fuck your security. Um, I'm a minority, you took my name. And that's kind of a point where I point out people who are, you know, taking away platforms, taking away voices for black musicians and black creators. Going forward, who would you like to work with in the future? Oh, wow. Um, There's a lot of different artists I would love to work with. Some of my favorite artists that I'll hopefully one day work with um, includes the band Zulu, which in its name itself, you can already tell that it's a black punk band. Um, Nate No Face, who is a very, very, very heavy influence for my music, especially the uh, synthwave parts of my songs, as you can hear. Michael Jackson, one day in spirit. <laughs> um, Michael Jackson is definitely a huge inspiration. Michael Jackson acted as the first ever person of color I seen dressed kind of like rock star-ish or punk. Specifically, I'm talking about bad. Um, who else? Who else? Definitely Donald Glover at some point. Donald Glover is an amazing actor and also very interesting in the terms of music production. Um, and there are bazillions more people that I can name. When can we expect music and when can we expect the second album? So the next few projects that I'll be putting out will probably be EPs and singles, just because that's the thing of the industry right now. Um, EPs and albums are kind of reserved for already a dedicated fan base, whereas singles are used to help um, musicians grow. And with the singles, I'm able to experiment more. So if I want to try singing out um, while over top of screaming, I can do that with singles. I believe the next single to be released will be a track called Hazing Season. Um, That one's produced by myself. Um, Joshua Hall and Juan Fleischer at Atlantic Records. So that's a special one, working with the big record label to produce that. Um, That one is set to be released hopefully by November, if not December, just because there will be a huge music video backed by it and the full shabam bam. (laughs) So what has the music video experience been like? I I know you have four out, but uh, most recently I made you came out. So what was that experience like for you? I Made You was very, very stripped back compared to One Step Closer to the Edge. It was a lot more relaxed, just me, um, just me, my producer, and also a videographer traveling to multiple locations. We had the cops called on us for being on top of a car. But my biggest thing that I would say I took away from I Made You is that you could have a very simple 
music video shoot and have it still look good. Um, my favorite uh, thing that I did <laughs> on the music video was I got on top of the car and the videographer filmed me through the windshield on top of the car mouthing my lyrics. And that part was wild because I had no straps. <laughs> um, I was just holding on for dear life in order to get the shot. But at the same time, we didn't have a huge budget to work with this music video as well. Um, with One Step Closer to the Edge, that one was very planned. Rented out a venue. Um, I had friends come in. I painted everyone's faces to be there and help out with the music video. And it took a very, very long time to plan out and even edit, you know. Yeah. So it's really nice having both sides of the spectrum, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Where can we listen to your music, watch your videos, get tickets to your shows, and follow you on social media? <laughs> I would say you can watch all my music videos on YouTube. Spotify, you should be able to purchase tickets directly under U-N-I-I-T-Y while also listening to my latest music and the old ones, of course. And once I do have a solid merch drop ready, I do have something coming on the way um, that will also be available via Spotify. Um, and also, I believe you can purchase through um, YouTube as well. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Please go check out Unity on U-N-I-I-T-Y official on YouTube. You can find her on Spotify, Apple, and I like to listen to her on Tidal. Um, also, please don't hesitate to reach out to her uh, for collaborations and many opportunities. She's an extremely talented artist. And thank you so much for coming on Atelier 1121. Yes, thank you for having me. The show was really dope the other day. The energy was insane. I'm so glad that I got the opportunity to be in your vicinity in order to meet you before I uh, got to interview you. So, um, Yes, I appreciate you also giving me the gift. I've been like using the clips and at replacing the shells that I lose while performing with the ones you gave me. <laughs> you, can never, you really can never have too many. I completely understand. I wasn't sure if you needed holes in them, if you sewed them in your hair, or if you just go ahead and push your braids through the center so I was like well hopefully this works out either way so I completely understand I I am in awe of what you are doing so just keep going no matter what just keep going Unity. I am truly truly rooting for you yes thank you and everything that I do is for the community there's I've recently got offered a contract with Punk Black which is something interesting but um yeah, I love, I, I've been learning so much since I first started meeting different people such as yourself who are like pr pushing me to even do more. You know, the punk, the black community that likes alternative and punk music and even, you know, fashion, whatever it is, it's so large, but it's so undervalued and underrepresented in so, music and in media. So can I ask you this? What has uh, punk black you know, how's that experience been for you? Because I, if I'm not mistaken, that is how I uh, came across your creativity. Yes, they are amazing. They genuinely mean and love the community. And that's something that I've always craved for since a young kid, because I've never really had other black punk friends, especially, you know, in the early 2000s in Philly and the hood, that just wasn't a thing. It was frowned upon, you know, 
exposing your weirder or nerdy sides of just loving anime. It just wasn't a thing in my community. You just don't do that. It's either you fit in or you get picked on and bullied. And I chose to get picked on and bullied in those instances and be myself. So Punk Black offers a huge, huge community of people that I've always wanted to be friends with. The crowd of kids I always wanted to hang out with. It's like a strange little family because they take care of me. I take care of them. They teach me things about the industry I never would have known. And they genuinely like love what I'm doing and they're willing to help out and support in any way, which makes me feel even, you know, just all giddy because it's like, I finally have a community that I feel welcome and whole. And, and I remember being so young and feeling so alone and lonely that I'll never find anyone that likes the same music I do. That's my color. But now it's the thing, like everyone has such a diverse sense of music and it's beautiful. Yeah. And you know what? I think because of, because social media opened our world up so vastly that we see there are people exactly like us all over the world that are our colors that came from the same kind of community as us. And I feel like it's it's more comforting and a better tool than you know there are times that you know of course I'm like oh social media but at the end of the day to be connected with people who are just like you it's it makes you feel less alone yes absolutely especially like back then if all the resources and the media was available to me at a younger age in the early 2000s I that could have saved me so much like anxiety, depression, sadness, feeling alone. Because all I have to do really is see what artists, Black artists I can listen to or see what Black punk band that's new, that's upcoming I can listen to. You know, even shows. I remember there were no like Black fronted punk bands and fully growing up that was, you know, people knew about. But now going back home and visiting, there's so many. <laughs> there are so many and it's so nice. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. It is an honor to have all of you here listen to the bitter end and really coming together to build a community for fashion and artists all over the world. Um, if you have time, if you are aware of any artist that needs a platform to share their craft and the amazing things that they are doing, please don't hesitate to email me at r-o-u-l-e-t-t-e-o-n-t at gmail.com so that I can look into this artist and reach out to them so that they, I can have them on the podcast. Thank you again. This is season seven, you guys. Episode two. And I am so grateful be, to be here and your host of Atelier 1121.